0: Spring, (laughs) I think. Anyway, we're going to be looking at the second letter to Revelation this morning, and it's found in Revelation chapter 2, and starting at verse 8. It's the letter written to the church in Smyrna. So let's read it first, and then we'll delve in to see what it's going to say to us this morning. Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who is dead but is now alive. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not, because their synagogue belongs to Satan. It's pretty strong words, isn't it? Your, their synagogue belongs to Satan. Interesting. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for ten days, but if you remain faithful even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death." So as we said at the beginning, the second letter was written to the church in Smyrna. Does anybody know what Smyrna means? Sorry? Nope. Means myrrh. What was Myrrh used for? For what? Sorry. Embalming bodies. It's used for death. So when myrrh was around, death was around. And if we noticed at the very beginning of the, the letter, it mentions that Jesus was what? He was dead, but now alive. So myrrh um, was used in the embalming of bodies when death was around. And at the very beginning of the letter, it mentions that Christ was dead, but is now alive. It's a picture of where we need to be. It's, if you think about it as well in the terms of baptism, when we, when we are baptized, we are showing that picture of being dead, and buried, but now alive in Christ. We must die, as we've mentioned so many times before, we must die to our natural selves. We must die to everything. We must die to us. We must die to our pride. We must die to our strength in order for God's to show through and come through. Faith to God, towards God, is death to our natural wisdom. To our own wisdom, to our pride, to our strength. Strength must die in order to allow the wisdom of God to take over. That wisdom then comes and it encourages into works towards faith, works of faith that testify to our faith. And as we mentioned a little bit last week, James talks about that in his book, in his letter that he wrote. See, I believe that the angel of the church, of, like I said last week, I think there's seven aspects talked about in these letters. I believe the angel of the church of Smyrna refers to the spirit of wisdom, which is the second attribute in the sevenfold spirit that we find in Isaiah. It's written to a group of people who are about to be thrown into prison and were going to suffer for their faith. The Bible is full of stories about people who suffer for their faith. But there's, I think, a particular reference here to four individuals who were thrown into prison because there's also a reference to that we're going to suffer for 10 days. And if we look back, to the story of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, do we know who they were? They were all captured when the Jews were taken to Babylon, and they were all imprisoned for their faith. They were all of the tribe of Judah. They were all in the tribe of Judah, and so they would have had their Their lives and their future all mapped out in their brain, all mapped out in their head. They were sons of Judah. So their future would look very positive in terms of the Jewish people. All the promises that God had given them, everything around them at this particular point in their lives called for their destruction it called for their death. When they looked at their natural circumstances, they could see no future but for the promises that God had given them. A far cry from their expectations as sons of Judah. So often in our own lives, our natural circumstances surround us Our lives can feel that it's not going necessarily the way that we want them to go or the way we'd expected them to go. Many of us, I'm sure, here can testify to circumstances where their lives would take a turn that is not quite where you really wanted it to go. Or even perhaps, even further than that, it's maybe not going the way that you, maybe somebody's spoken a promise of God over your life and said this is, this is a word for you and you're still waiting for it to be fulfilled. Where your natural circumstances where life in around you, you can't see out of the situation that you're in. You know, life gets hard sometimes, isn't it? Well, it does for me. Life gets hard sometimes. Life just seems to come and take over. Where things are tough. Something happens that isn't expected, and your life suddenly goes into turmoil. See, godly wisdom, I believe, allows us to see things as God sees them and not as we see them. In God's eyes, you see, God can see beyond our circumstances. God can see the beginning and the end because he is the beginning and the end. He can see beyond what's going on in our lives around us. He can see beyond what was going on In these four men's lives, thrown in prison for their faith. Being told to bow to another king. See, God can see beyond our circumstances. And godly wisdom, I believe, takes us to that place where we can see beyond our circumstances. Where we can see beyond what is around us. Godly Godly wisdom gives rise to faith. Faith to rise above our circumstances. Faith to step up into what God sees for our lives. As I mentioned earlier on, the number 10 here is quite significant too. 10... Is symbolic of completeness. It's symbolic of the totality of a judgment of love. Ten commandments sum up the love for God and for others. Daniel and Hananiah and Michelle and Azariah were all thrown into prison and challenged by their captors. They were going to feed them on vegetables only for ten days. And then they were to compare their appearance to that of the young, the youth of their captors. They were being tested. Their lives were a testimony of their faith towards God. Their lives showed that their love for their God was greater than the love for their own lives. Now how many of us can say that? in our lives. You see, what often happens to us, and I've been there, I've done it so many times, we get into these situations where we can't see out of and we say, oh, woe is me. We say, oh, woe is me. I'm stuck in this little box. I can't seem to fight my way out of what's going on around me or my life is taking a turn that I didn't expect and we all, we curl up in our little box and we say, oh, woe is me. God says here though he wants to give us godly wisdom to help us spring out of our box and say I can see as God sees. I know my God is still there. I know that my God and I trust my God. Regardless of what circumstance I am in I trust my God. When the Babylonians saw how these four men looked after only eating vegetables for ten days. They said they're amongst the wisest men they'd ever known. Godly wisdom. You see, the threat against their lives never shook their faith in God. It never shook the foundation of their faith. We talked about Terry Waite last week thrown in prison for years didn't once shake his faith in the God that he worshipped in the Jesus that had changed his life facing imprisonment and likely death these guys stood firm in their faith see the spirit of wisdom brings faith it testifies to faith But not only that, it inspires us to act upon that faith. Some people here today may be going through tough times and I don't want to make light of them. But so often in our hard times, in our times when we can't see light at the end of the tunnel, we curl up and we become defeated. We curl up and we say, where is my God? Does my God still love me? Because it's all about, of course, me. Folks, I want to challenge you this morning to say it's not all about me. It's not all about you. It's all about Him. See, I believe that Jesus walks in every single part of the journey that we we call life. He walks with us. He takes our hand. And yes, I know things happen in life, but life happens. We live in a world of life. We live in a world where we are born one day, we grow old, we die the next. That's called life. But am I going to abandon my walk with Jesus or abandon my God or feel abandoned by my God just because things aren't going the way I would like them to go? Sometimes we do. But I've learned that my God is bigger than that. I've learned that my God walks with me every journey, every part of that journey of life. He walks with me. He holds my hand. He carries me. I love that picture in the, uh, uh, in the poem, The Footprints. I love that picture where Jesus will pick you up and carry you. Did he not go out and look for the one and left the rest behind? That is how he views you, pursues you every minute of every day. Godly wisdom will inspire us to act on our faith, even when our natural circumstances around us testify to something different or dictate something different. Godly wisdom will bring out actions that testify to our faith. So are we going to let our circumstances that are around us surround us and control our lives? Or are we going to say, actually, my God is way bigger than that? You see, we put God in this box. And as long as my God doesn't operate outside my box, which I've created, then I'm okay with that. But the minute we step outside or God steps outside of that box, we get worried. We get concerned. Now it's great to have discernment. But you see, these guys were stuck in prison. Their natural surroundings would tell them they were going to die if they did not worship another God. But yet, Eventually, three of them got thrown into a fire, but yet their faith didn't falter. Are we prepared to get thrown into a fire for our faith? Maybe for some of us are going through what we see as a fire today. Rise above it. Don't let the fire consume you. Don't let the circumstances around you consume you. Rise above it. Your God is greater than your circumstances. Take action that speaks to your faith. Step out in faith. We've mentioned before that if all we do here in this place is what we can do in the natural without God, then who needs God? Who needs Him? You know, we all set our budgets. We all set our Sorry, Rob. <laughs> budgets is a typical thing to talk about, so you're, you're in the firing line today, but <laughs> You know, we set our budgets. We look at last year, and I know this is you know, you've stretched this year. You've stretched yourselves. But we tend to look at what happened and has happened in the past, and we tend to add a little bit of an increase on for next year, just in case there's more people come along or more people start to give. Instead of saying, what does God want for us to do here? Maybe God wants you to go and, I don't know, do something dramatic. Do something incredible that that requires faith and not knowledge. Godly wisdom, not human wisdom. Godly wisdom is so much greater. It inspires us to do these works of faith to step out of our little box that we create in, our God, we create for our God, to step outside of that boundary and say, my God can do this because for God, nothing is impossible. Nothing. Nothing. is impossible. That's not me saying. That's what it says in the scripture. Nothing is impossible for God. But in our minds, in our heads, in our hearts, there's lots of things that are impossible for God. Lots of things. Because we restrict Him to our brain. Godly wisdom says open up our brains because there is nothing that is impossible for God. A godly wisdom inspires us to works of faith. And, you know, faith is useless without works. So there's one side of the coin that says, yeah, we're all godly and spiritual, and then we're not doing anything. And there's the other side of the coin, we're doing lots of things, but our faith is, is not there because we're doing them in our own strength. James talks about it. We mentioned it a little bit last week, I think, in his letter. Dear brothers, sisters, when troubles come your way, do you think we're the first people to experience troubles? What does he say, though? He says this, consider it an opportunity for great joy. How many of you here, when troubles come your way, light up with a smile on your face and say, hallelujah! I bet there's not many. But you see, if we did that, That would inspire faith to take us outside of our box into the place where God wants us to be. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance is a chance to grow. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You see, in this world today, we surround ourselves with the world. We surround ourselves with things that make us feel comfortable, that make us feel complete. We have a big 50-inch television on our, our lounge wall we maybe have one of those lovely um, jet baths in our bathroom. We have a lovely house. We, feel, we have a great job. We feel secure. And all of a sudden, one day, it all goes. Where's your faith? Does your faith say, I'm going to rise up out of the ashes? Or does your faith say, oh, woe is me? See, our God is greater than the things around us. Our God is greater than the circumstances around us. But we put so much faith and trust in the things around us that we forget our God is a supernatural God. He is a supernatural God. We cannot deny that. But we take our Bible and we put, it into, we put God into a cerebral God. And the more knowledge that we know about him, the better. God wants our heart. He wants our brain too, but he wants our heart to come from our brain. No, our brain to come from our heart. Got to get that bit right. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance is a chance to grow. So let it grow. And for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If everything was taken away from us today, today, Where would we stand with God? Would we say to God, God, have you abandoned me? Or would we say to God, God, I trust you no matter what. I call it faith no matter what. If you need wisdom, James says, ask our generous God. Our God is a generous God. He's not a mean God. He's not waiting for us to trip up and then point the finger and say, "Ah, ha, "Ha got you. He's a generous God. He's a loving God. He's a God who is full of grace. Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Wow, how often does that describe our lives? You see, when things are going great, our faith is up here. Yay, God, you're with me. Everything's going out fine. And then something happens, and our faith goes boom. And we go on this roller coaster ride that is like this. When things are great, they're great. When things are bad, they're bad. And our God is in the mix of this somewhere. God wants to capture our hearts. That no matter what circumstance that God brings or or God allows to come our way, I'm not convinced He brings them, but He allows them to happen. No matter what circumstance that God allows us to go through, our hearts are fully captured by the Jesus that died on the cross and the God of the supernatural. That's what James is saying. We become like waves tossed by the wind. No wonder nobody doesn't want to follow Jesus out there because they see it. They see it. They look at you. They look at every one of us and they think, well, what is your God? Why, do I, why should I bother coming to church when, when I see you outside of this building, your faith is so weak? You're nothing. You have nothing that you're standing up for. You know, for all we say about the Muslim faith, I admire them because, boy, do they stick to their faith. But when we leave this building, we're normal human beings, and we are normal human beings, but our life gets tossed back and forth by the waves. God is calling us to a wisdom and a faith that takes us above our circumstances, that we can see into the heavenlies and see what God has planned for our lives. and then to trust him in it. Our faith should inspire us to action. Even when our natural surroundings speak of the opposite. Never ever the other way around. See, we think our works will grow wisdom and faith. It doesn't work like that. I can go out of here tomorrow, reject my faith, and still do good works. But faith should inspire us to works. It should inspire us to do. James also says in the same letter, (laughs) faith without works is dead. Some may argue, he says in 2 verse 18, some people have faith and others have good deeds. (laughs) I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith. You say you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe that. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is also useless? When the finishing of the testing of these four men was finished, sorry, when the testing of these four men was finished, king of Babylon found them to be wiser than any other around them. You see, they did not fear their circumstances. They did not fear their surroundings. They did not fear that all they could see were the four walls of the prison that they were in. But yet their wisdom produced a testimony of faith. Natural sight is the opposite of faith. Natural sight. I know that that's a chair. And I have fairly good confidence that when I sit in it, it ain't going to fall over. I know that when I put that switch on, the light over there, the lights are going to come on because electricity is flowing. I know that that's a music stand. I know you're you because I can see you, but that's just natural sight. Faith takes us to a different level. Faith takes us to spiritual sight. Faith takes us above what we can see in the natural. But it doesn't change the fact that that's a chair. Our God is a supernatural God. These four men showed strong faith towards their God. They exhibited a trust in God, just as Daniel means God is my judge. They were a testimony of knowing that God in His grace meets all of our needs, just as Hananiah means God is gracious. Now, that doesn't mean that God's going to meet all of our wants, but He knows what you need. He knows what we need, and He will meet those needs. Matthew 6, 37, is that right? Somebody with more biblical memory capabilities and eyes. um, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. That's 637. It's round about that area. Seek first his righteousness. 33, thank you. You looked it up, didn't you? Good on you. (laughs) See, I was looking for somebody with a memory. (laughs) My memory is not very good. I, I don't do Bible verses very well. But I knew it was in chapter 6. That was very good for me. Seek first his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Why worry about what tomorrow brings? For tomorrow will take care of itself. They showed awe and honor towards God, just as Meshel means God is awesome. This inspired us to serve him willingly. And they also reveal the dependency on God, just as Azariah means, God is my help. And we know that his help comes as we empty ourselves of us. Empty ourselves of knowing. God doesn't want us to have him in a cerebral box. He wants to capture our hearts with everything that we have. Everything. You know, I don't know whether I've shared this story already, but when we first became Christians, the the business that I was re- then running went bankrupt. Forgive me if I've told you this before, but it's, it's relevant to this story. And I'm not wanting to say that my life is a hardship. My life is far from a hardship. I love my life. But when we first became Christians a few months after, I think it was about six months later, my business went bankrupt and I said to God, God, I deserve more than this. Why? Why has my business gone bankrupt? I've just become a Christian. Surely I deserve a little bit more. But that's often the attitude we take. I deserve more in my life because I'm a Christian and because God is on my side. Well, God's not on your side. He's for you, absolutely. But not on all our wants and desires. He wants your heart. Anyway, the, do you have bailiffs over here? They think they call them sheriffs. Is that right? Bailiffs as well? Well, the bailiffs came to our house. We had three kids at this time. We didn't earn very much money. And the bailiffs came to our house, and they priced up all our different pieces of furniture, washing machine, television. What are we going to do without television with three kids? Good grief. And what are we going to do without a washing machine with the three kids either? But they priced it all up with no, nothing to sit on, nothing at all. And they advertised a sale in the local paper to say, come along to Gordon and Jackie's house and buy all their furniture next to nothing so that we can get some money back. And I tell you, I fought with God over that for days and days on end. I argued with him. I fought with him. I said, God, what the heck are you doing? How can we possibly manage without all this stuff? We've got three kids we're bringing up. I don't know whether there was a fourth on the way at that point. I can get all muddled up now. But there were three kids, young kids in our house that we were trying to feed. My business had gone bankrupt, so therefore I had no job. And God spoke to me finally. Well, you know, I think he'd actually been speaking to me all the time. It was just my... Head wasn't hearing it, my heart wasn't hearing it, and he said, When you give me your life, you give me everything. Everything. And if I want to come and take that away, then that's my prerogative. Because you've given it to me. And I finally realized that when we become when we gave our hearts and our lives to Christ. I gave him my family, I gave him my home, I gave him everything that I possessed in the whole wide world. I gave him my wife. In fact, when I became a Christian before my wife, I lay in bed next to her when she wasn't a Christian, which wasn't probably a good idea, day after, a couple of days after, and I said, Jackie, my dear, you've got to understand something, there's somebody more important in my life than you. Not a great thing to say to somebody who wasn't yet a Christian. She'd get up out of her bed, and two days later, though, she gave her life to Christ. See, I gave God everything. How did I make it over to Canada? Because I gave God everything. I gave him my little grandson, who was dying in a hospital, born weeks early. I gave them to God. And I said, God, whatever happens, whatever happens, my faith and my trust in you will not waver. And after that sale had been advertised in the local paper, and after I got on my knees and said, Lord, you're right. You're right. For some Unknown reason, and I still don't know, to this, well, I do know the answer. But that sale never, ever, ever went ahead. Never went ahead. And kept some of that furniture for a good 10 years after that time. That, my friends, is a supernatural God. That, my friends, is the God that I believe in. That, my friends, is a supernatural God who can do miracles, who can perform healing. That, my friend, is the God that is outside the box. He's outside the box. Now, I admit to you that for the past 25 years, I probably haven't got it right all the time, even after that incident. But that day, God captured every part of my heart. I kind of try and grab some of it back from time to time. But God captured my heart. And I begin a journey that has changed my life. See, if we die to ourselves, if we die to everything about ourselves, then Christ can come. Christ can come in. Open up these little compartments of our hearts that we haven't yet let God into. Open them up. Open them up. I don't know, some of you may be going through difficult circumstances today. Then just get down on your knees and trust Him. Trust Him. He has seen your your life mapped out since the day he knitted you in your mother's womb. Beginning to end. Trust him. Like these men. Trusted in their God. All those who enter into the new covenant are granted new life. We have entered into a new covenant. That grants us new life. We die and we're risen up again with him. So we then have no fear of death. No fear of death. The old is gone and the new has come. And as we become clothed with Christ our fear of death will go. And we will be motivated by godly wisdom towards faith in God. And in that faith in God, we will be motivated towards works that testify of our faith. You see, if people outside your little group can't see a difference in your life to their life, they're going to ask the question, why should I come bother coming to a church service and listening to a boring speaker if you're just the same as me? It doesn't make any sense to me. People on the outside of these four walls today are looking for authenticity. They don't believe in absolute truth but they're looking for authentic people of God. A people who believe, and I mean believe in the God they worship. They're looking for a God of the supernatural working in power in your lives. But if all they see is the same as what they've got, what motivation is there to draw them to the cross? I'm going to tell you one more story and I'll finish. When I was um, in Bible college, I think, I, I may, and I, I tell so many stories, I can't remember whether I've told you this, so forgive me if I've told you, it. you're going to hear it again. Our missiology um, lecturer in Bible college told us this story about, he was a, 16 year old, so 16, okay, that's all he was, and he was living in this village with his parents, and one night when his parents were out, the elders came to their house, I think it was 16, he might have been a bit older, anyway, he was a boy. The elders of the village came to the house and said, there's a daughter of one of our elders is dying. We have tried everything in our power to see healing come to this girl's life. I want you to come and show us that your God is more powerful than our God. What would you have done? Your response well, would, might well have been to say, Well, healing doesn't take place today because that was only in the, Old te- the New Testament for the beginning of the church. You might have said, Heck, what the heck am I going to do now? You might have, and said, me, hightailed it in the other direction, but they probably knew the jungle and the area better than I did. So they'd have probably caught me at some point. This young lad went with them and he said, help me Jesus, because I don't don't know that you said that, but that's my simple prayer today. Help me Jesus, because I don't know what I'm doing. That daughter was healed that night by a God of the supernatural. That daughter was healed by a God that says, my God, I am greater. I am who I am and I am greater than all the gods you worship. As a result of that one miracle, that one supernatural act, that entire village came to Christ because they saw a God who was more powerful than the God that they worshipped. Folks, whether you believe it or not, People outside of those four walls here, they believe in gods. They have their own gods. And if all they see is a god that is similar to their god, but claims to be the greatest god, if all they see is this god that is similar to their god, they're going to think, well, why does it? Why, why do you have the truth? What makes you different to me? Now, we know we have the truth. I know we have the truth. But just take for a minute and look at it from their perspective. The king of Babylon was looking at those four men and telling them, bow before another god. And they said, no, we won't do it. And what happened was that he saw greater wisdom in those men than he saw in anyone around them. When they came to get thrown in the fire, they still refused to bow before their God. They got thrown in the fire. And an angel Jesus, whoever it was, came to stand beside them, and they came out of that fire without being harmed. Our God is a supernatural God. Our world needs a supernatural God. It doesn't need another religion. It doesn't need more arguments over religion. It needs a supernatural God who can come and transform your life and my life to a life that is walking in the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. A life that says transformation has taken place in my life. That takes us from a cerebral faith to a heart faith that says nothing is impossible for God. So whatever circumstance you are going through today in your lives, whatever pain you might be feeling in your lives today, your God is bigger than that. He's bigger. Why don't you simply stretch out your hand and let him take yours? And I don't want to belittle anything that anybody is going through. That's not what I'm saying. But our faith should rise up and take us beyond our circumstances. That is godly wisdom. That is the wisdom of God. Guys, would you come back up for a moment? I just want to let's bow our heads for a moment. I just want, Can you play someone, just someone in the background? Thank you. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. If you take away anything from this morning, I want you to take away this, that our God is greater than our circumstances that surround us. Our God is bigger. We sung it. We sung a song today that our God is bigger, our God is stronger. Do you really believe it in your heart? Our God is bigger. Our God is greater than our circumstances. Whatever you face today, your God is bigger. Your God is standing, holding his hand out to you today, saying, just grab it. Grab my hand. Trust me. Trust me with everything you have. Your God is bigger. Your God is bigger than your life, than your circumstance. Father, today, would you just come? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Bring your gentle peace. Bring the grace of Christ. clothe us in righteousness. Lift our hearts to the one who can. Lift our heart to the God who is greater and stronger than any other. That we might know Him. That we might know Him in this deep place in our hearts. Jesus, would you come and capture every part of our being today? That we might honor you. That we might fall in love with you. As you have first loved us. Come into the midst of our circumstance today. And change it. Supernaturally. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.